It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. What do the teams you root for, your music playlists, and your podcast feeds all have in common? Spoiler alert, they're a reflection of you, and that's what the State Farm Personal Price Plan has in common, too. It gives you options to help personalize your coverage so that you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you, so you can see more of yourself in everything you love. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state, options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast with Jake and Joe. You know our Twitter handles, at Jake underscore NFL, at Joe Goodberry. Today's episode brought to you by two sponsors. You'll hear about DoorDash, and you'll get a special promo code for $5 off an order. And our returning sponsor, Local to Cincinnati, Abco Safety. For our first segment today, we're going to do a little bit of a news update for our lead story. We'll start taking questions. That'll go into our second segment as well. We'll do our mailbag feature. And then we'll wrap up with uh, continuing the countdown to kickoff, which we are woefully behind on still. And I don't know if we're ever going to catch up. So starting out, we'll go with our Locked On Bengals lead story of the day. And this is just a few news updates as we get ready for a game against the New York Giants in a couple days. Tomorrow we'll have our game preview. Today we've learned that there are more players that aren't going to play. Cody Core, who's battling for that roster spot, won't play. Go check out Coach Minich, Matt Minich on Twitter. He did a series on Cody Core's special teams highlights today. So we've been hearing for years that he's a special team standout. And Matt went out and found some clips. Also, Darius Phillips won't play. Cordy Glenn, as we mentioned yesterday, has the concussion. He won't play. John Ross expected back at practice on Sunday. He also won't play. And Drew Sample, this one I think we haven't talked too much about, has a hamstring issue, and he likely won't be back until the uh, regular season opener. And that's a shame, too, even though Sample's going to be a part of this offense, so getting him healthy for week one is an important uh, part of his evaluation or, or getting him to that spot. But 
he played so much better in week two than week one. I wanted to see that continue into week three. Be you know maybe he's rewarded with a more of a of a big role in this offense with the first team because he really wasn't with one snap last week with the first team offense. Uh, so maybe you know it's part of that is health and they're they're really hurt right now at tight end. So I, I think we'll just see Uzama and then Mason Shrek and the backups all fighting for that last if there is a fourth tight end position. Yeah, and speaking of whether they'll keep that fourth tight end, there was some news today as well over on Bengals.com. Jim Turner talking about keeping O'Shea Dugas as another tackle, that he'd be the fourth tackle on the team and the ninth lineman. And yesterday we speculated that they might only keep eight offensive linemen, and if they keep a ninth player there, that means somewhere else, whether it's linebacker, whether it's wide receiver, whether it's defensive line or tight end, there's going to be one fewer player at that position. Yeah, and we also speculated how they're going to juggle that Jonah Williams situation, especially if you want to get O'Shea Dugas and, and not subject him to waivers uh, or, or a practice squad claim. You would have to carry both of them on day one of the season before you make a move with Jonah Williams, which makes it even tighter to get to that 53-man roster. Yeah, maybe they feel like they can sneak Mason Shrek through waivers, but I feel like there were trade rumors about Shrek and or Carter last year was, around this yeah. time. So I, I kind of doubt it. And they'll have to balance that. Maybe they find a trade partner after this week and, and they alleviate some of this stress somewhere. But it's encouraging to hear that the coaching staff thinks highly of Dugas. He has been pretty good given, like we said yesterday, he's against backups. But he's played pretty well. And for a fourth tackle, finding someone with promise as an undrafted free agent will be a real boon to the depth of tackle for this team because they really need it. And I believe he was signed as a guard as a free agent also. Mm -hmm. So for him to kick out and really have this development at tackle, that's probably what gets Jim Turner the most excited. And you got to think if, uh, you know, to me he looks like a perfect practice squad candidate, but anybody in this league that can play tackle and even to a baseline level, even if that's his best output, is going to be an attractive player for at least 20 teams in this league. So we'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting. We'll have to see how he plays this week going against New York. That'll be another test for him. And the last note I think to talk about also on the offensive line is that battle isn't done. And the guys that are starting this week in the quote-unquote dress rehearsal two weeks away from the season opener against New York are not necessarily the guys that you're going to see on opening day. Now, Zach Taylor did say, you know, you can read the tea leaves a little bit here and say whoever's getting the most snaps at left guard is probably going to win the job. And right now it looks like that might be Michael Jordan, but he's a rookie. He has to show that he can be consistent, and this is another test for him. Yeah, this week three here is going to be, you know, key. I I think they want to say it's not going to be, you know, whoever gets the most snaps or who starts the ones isn't going to be the guy that lines up, you know, day one against Seattle. But... I have to think you're trying to put your best line out there that you believe is going to start the season. So he can say that, they can say that, but I'm going to take this very heavily for who walks out there with the first team on the first snap uh, this Thursday against the New York Giants. Yeah, I agree. I think that maybe there's a change between preseason week three and week one, but most likely that's what you're going to get. They want to get two two weeks of practice in with who who is going to be the first team. In Seattle, and obviously Cordy Glenn's concussion plays into that a little bit. You hope he gets ready. 
And I think they leave it open to say just because you're starting week three doesn't mean you're going to start week one because what if that guy plays terrible, right? You throw Trey Hopkins out there at left guard and he stinks it up or Michael Jordan, whoever. Well, week three is still part of the evaluation process. So that's I think that's the safe part for them. Not only do they want to hide some things from Seattle, but uh, if a guy goes out there and can't perform, well, then he's not going to start week one. And that's what you like to see in the spirit of true competition. That'll do it for the lead story. Joe, let's get into our questions. All right. We got our first question here from Kevin R.P. Smith 1. That's Kevin R.P. Smith 1 on Twitter. Uh, do you think the Bengals will pick up another true offensive tackle, at least for depth, before the regular season? It's scary how thin they are at the position. Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about this for weeks now, and we all hope that they'll look at another offensive tackle somewhere. Paul Daner's asked this question in press conferences of Zach Taylor, and Zach Taylor has evaded it. We just talked about O'Shea Dugas and whether he'd make the team as a tackle. He would be the fourth true tackle, and if they really like him, he might be comparable to what you get in roster cutdowns, and he's definitely comparable, I think, to what's available as unrestricted free agents right now, there's there's really not much not much left there. Joe, what do you think? Are they going to make a trade that's going to catch us unexpected here? Well, that's what I was thinking. Well, maybe it's a trade because, as you just said, when we were answering um, the news stories, is maybe they can move a tight end. Maybe they can move a back-end receiver or you know corner or whatever it may be. And maybe that guy is for a low-end tackle now. You have to weigh if that's better than O'Shea Dugas or not. But, you know, it's up for the Bengals to decide, obviously. And that's where I could see one coming in. Because I think just based on how the Bengals operate, and there's no reason to think anything has changed unless it's a coaching connection uh, at one of his previous stops, the Bengals are going to look at any outside guy as worse than the guy they have in-house. So I think unless it's a trade, they're probably out of claiming anyone on cutdown day that they probably feel is better than Dugas. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Joe, we've got a new sponsor today to talk about before we get into more questions, and that is DoorDash. You ever wearing sweatpants? You don't want to just throw something in the microwave? You want something that's actually like hot, fresh cooked? You're sitting in your living room, don't want to get dressed? Well, you can use DoorDash. You ever use DoorDash? I have used DoorDash. Very recently, I got a favorite restaurant that we go for. It's got Italian, but it's mostly pizza and, and things like that. Uh, Leon's. Shout out to Leon's. Great place. But anyways, I didn't expect them to be on DoorDash. I go to DoorDash. They gave a $5 coupon, I believe it was. And then my favorite place showed up. And of course it did. So we ordered from there. Yeah. Not only will you find your favorite pizza place on DoorDash, there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities in all 50 states in Canada. So go check them out. You can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the app and enter promo code LOCKED ON with your order. That's $5 off your first order on the DoorDash app when you enter the promo code LOCKED ON. We'll be right back and get into some more of your questions. And thanks, DoorDash, for the sponsorship. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We get to answer your mailbag questions of the week. Now that we've got two actual games to talk about, preseason cuts are looming. A third preseason game right around the corner. Uh, Jake, it's your turn, and you don't pay me any overtime money, so you got to ask this one. Oh, let's not talk about overtime. Joel Chandler at Joel Knows Bungs with the next question. This might be a tough one, but do you see more player progression from week 1 to 16 or 17 because of bye weeks or over the offseason? I think this is a great question. That's why I favored it. But I think there are two different ways to to see the progression. And number one is I think players take the biggest leap from year to year. So that I guess that happens through the offseason training and training camp. Uh, and then you see them the next year and you go, OK, this guy either looks quicker, stronger, bigger, more focused. You know, he's into it. He's taking that step in development, whatever, whatever has happened for that player. But then once the season starts, that's it. You really don't see the ups and downs or the changes in them physically. Uh, I think the progression you may see then is how the team adjusts, maybe uses them more, uh, and figures out what they can and can't do, especially for young guys. First year, second year, you definitely see that. Uh, and then playing through injuries and stepping up into different situations. So that becomes more of the the how is the is the is the training camp in the off season, and then the effect. The output, the production is what you see progress during the season. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. You see leaps for players from year one to year two and occasionally from year two to year three, depending on the position and the player's age when they came into the league. I think what you see from weeks one to 17 in the regular season is you see rookies and second year players make mental adjustments. And this is especially true for rookies. The game will slightly start to slow down for them toward the end of that rookie season. So you can see a player in the last month of their rookie year, you no mm-hmm. longer expect those rookie mistakes. You expect them to be closer to a finished product. And then they get to take the off season to really make wholesale improvements, like Joe said, to their body, to the way they approach the game mentally. Coaches have a better idea of what their strengths and weaknesses are, how to use them, because there's a year of NFL film on them. And so that's where you see those year one to year two and year two to year three jumps. Yeah, for sure. I'm in complete agreement with that. And to your point, I thought you were going to make on the rookies. They hit that wall sometimes around week 12, week 13 physically because that's usually when the college season ends. And you can see them sometimes you get some bad games at the end that really aren't representative of what we saw all year. So it can go both ways then, right? Because the mental part catches up. And then we saw this with, uh, with Bates last year. Toward the end of the season, he wasn't quite as good. Maybe it was fatigue, and we're all expecting him to still be really good this year. We're not really looking at those last four games very hard. Yeah, and I used to grade, and I I still do very lightly, not as much as I used to, but I used to grade the veteran players on a bunch of categories, and I would tweak it every quarter of the season, so every four weeks, and it was usually minor adjustments. The biggest one happened from week one to week four, so that pretty much took into account preseason up until week four, where I felt like, yeah, what we saw in preseason is still applicable for the regular season. This guy is still taking that jump. He is that good. And then from there, it was managing expectation. Right. All right, I got the next question here. It's from Mike McKinley at Rip Burger. Rest in peace, Burger, maybe? Looking back at Mike Sando's recent quarterback tiers column, this was on The Athletic, Andy Dalton's ranking looked just about right, which was tied for 22nd, by the way. And we did talk about this, Jake. Uh, Mike continues to ask here, assuming they took Dalton's contract uh, in an account, was were there any QBs ranked lower than Dalton that you would take over him or any higher that you would not take? And since we already kind of did this a few, maybe a couple weeks ago when this was posted, when Mike Sandoz, 
uh, article was posted. PFF just released theirs, and I saw Steve Palazzolo tweeted out, and I uh, retweeted that. So let, we'll take that instead and talk about where Andy Dalton's ranked there and use this question of is there any guys behind him or, or ahead of him that we would swap. All right, so Andy Dalton is at 20 on the PFF rankings, right behind Derek Carr and right ahead of Jameis Winston. Looking at the guys behind him on the list, Marcus Mariota is the first one before you get into another tier. So Dalton is squarely toward the back end of tier three. Then you get to this tier four, which is quarterbacks with more question marks due to lack of experience or seeing them perform at a high level in the NFL or due to volatility. So this includes guys like Kyler Murray, Nick Foles, Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, Case Keenum, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen. So a lot of young guys in there and also some guys I'm not touching. Like, I don't want Eli Manning or Joe Flacco at all at this point. But I'm willing to take a shot with guys like Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen even, all on rookie contracts with upside. And Lamar Jackson I don't think really fits what the Bengals are trying to do right now as much as he needs an offense designed for him. So maybe Mm -hmm. he's not at the top of your list with Zach Taylor. But of the guys behind him... Like, almost for sure taking Sam Darnold. Uh, almost for sure taking Kyler Murray. Almost I'm for taking sure. all the young guys. Yeah. All of them. yeah. And John Sheeran made this point today on Twitter. He says, even if you want to say Dalton is a mid-tier quarterback or below average, whatever. It's, I'm not going to argue it because, as he even said, he's tired at this point of arguing it. And I am too. Uh, but if we're arguing that and the guy is over 30, you're certainly going to take a young guy in that same category. Exactly over him or at least be more excited for him because of the progression and and hopeful development. He may not be better right now, but there are opportunities for him to be better, not just this year, but in the future. So going into this year, last, last year, going into this point, we weren't, no one would have taken Pat Mahomes or maybe even um, uh, Deshaun Watson over Andy Dalton. But a year later, clearly we take those guys. So I would take all these guys just unranked under him that are definitely younger by five years, at least. So I'm with you on there, Jake. Any guys over Andy Dalton that you for sure uh, like Dalton more than? Uh, Based on contract, I'm taking Dalton over Stafford and Cousins. Okay. And I think that's it. Cousins is 14th and Stafford is 15th. I don't think either of them offer you much more than you get from Dalton in terms of upside. And I think that they are so much more expensive that, yeah, I'll save $10 million and, and take Dalton. But some of the other guys just ahead of him, Derek Carr still young enough that I don't know. I mean, it's a toss up. Am I really going to be upset either way if I have to pick between one of those guys? Well, no, I'm going to be upset that I don't have a third choice. Jimmy Garoppolo at 18. He's had a rough couple of days here in in the Twitter. I don't know if he's good. We we really don't know if he's good. He was great in 2017, but that's a a long time time. ago. And we've never seen him for a whole season. Dak Prescott at 17. Like well, it. he's asking for $35 million now, and is he $15 million a year better than Andy Dalton? No. No. That's a good starting. That's a Pro Bowl starter. Yeah. So that's that's my summary of the guys ahead of him. What do you think? Any Anything different? No, I'm with you completely. I would have these a little bit different. And, you know, taking contract into the equation is a big part of it because right. the Which guys below Dalton that are younger, I would clearly take because of the contract and because of the youth and upside. But the guys that are five to eight spots ahead of him, even up to Jared Goff at 13. I don't think Goff is leaps and bounds better than Andy Dalton. He's definitely younger and cheaper. So that, you know, 
pushes my decision to want Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, all those guys before I take yeah. Andy Dalton. Goff is younger to be the same, thus has more upside, right? So there yeah. is a reason to take off. Uh, last note on the PFF quarterback ratings. I own the number one and two quarterbacks in our fantasy league. You own the third quarterback in PFF's rankings this year. Pat Mahomes, number one is Tom Brady. Number two is Drew Brees. Hmm. Interesting that Mahomes is three. But I don't want to argue it because he's only had one incredible but one year. Well, and it's fantasy stuff versus real-life quarterbacking. And I don't know. I probably take Mahomes over either of those guys because of age and contract and all that stuff. But anyway, our next question comes from Aaron Parker at Membangle. One of the big differences between y'all and Daner on the roster is a safety where he keeps putting Trayvon Henderson in and Brandon Wilson out. I agree with you that Wilson should be a lock, but do you have any idea what the team or Daner is seeing in Henderson that might make this close? I know they like Henderson in terms of uh, coachability, character, leadership, all those intangible qualities that Marvin Lewis would have went gaga over, right? Um, But they say he's a good special teamer also. See, for me, I look at Wilson and I see a guy that has always been willing to switch positions that seems to have been used even last year by Marvin Lewis as a guy they can put in different spots even on the defense. A special team standout, in my opinion, and I think think anyone that focuses on him would say the same thing. So when I go and look at them on defense also, that deep touchdown by Dwayne Haskins was on Trevon Henderson. So I still think Wilson's over him. I maybe Denner's hearing something. I don't know, but if that's the case, then I think they're misevaluating and make a mistake. And they've done that before, so it wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, Denner would know. He would have the inside information that we might not have. Looking at snap counts, Brandon Wilson has eight more special team snaps than Trayvon Henderson, and is graded much better there. I think his speed is a real asset that mm-hmm. makes him different than some of the other players on the team. I think Trayvon Henderson's a good uh, practice squad candidate. I do too. And they got a lot of safety practice squad candidates. They do have a lot of safety practice squad candidates. But speaking of safety, I'm not keeping Abco safety on my practice squad. They're going to be on my active roster. They're a safety distributor in Cincinnati, partnering with 3M to sponsor the podcast. If you or your company purchase safety equipment, please give them a call because they promise to save you money on your safety budget. You can give them a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Lockdown Bengals. And Joe, what are we looking at today? Well, I like to go running, and I work at 5 a.m., so if I go running, I'll do it at 4 a.m., and it's pretty dark. So I'm looking at high-vis safety equipment or gear, basically bright orange, bright green reflective things, whether whether it's uh, uh, chest pieces or shirts or any straps that can go on you so that you can be more visible to vehicles. Yeah, you can check out their full inventory over at abcosafety.com. But keep in mind, those are retail prices. They do have corporate pricing for their customers, and they will do their best to save you money. Again, give them a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Lockdown Bengals. Give them a call. Give them a chance to save you money. It supports the podcast and supports the local Cincinnati business. We really appreciate it. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. And we're back with segment three of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We got two more questions to go, and then we're going to catch up on Countdown to Kickoff. A lot of C's here because uh, next question is from Captain Captain Comerica, Cameron Carpenter. Man, I'm struggling with this a lot, Jake. You're smiling at me. But his question is, what situation does Ryan Finley start other than adult and injury? Asking for a friend who's on the fence about hopping on a Browns train. Yeah, don't hop on a Browns train. Right. What are we doing here? What are we, yeah, what are we doing here? You might as well just go get on, like, a Patriots train. That's so fair weather. Is is Ryan Finley going to save you from being a Browns fan? Also that. Come on. Right. I mean, it's not, not, to, not to call this guy out, right? Like, he's, he sent right. us questions before, and we do appreciate it, but... This was not the goal. <laughs> yeah. Andy Dalton would have to play, like, beyond the worst he's ever played in his career for Ryan Finley sure. to start over a healthy Andy Dalton. Yeah, you got to think, Finley's a rookie, hasn't practiced well by all accounts, but has played well in the games. I mean, fantastic in the preseason games. You got to remember, Ryan Finley's a fourth-round quarterback that's turning 25 as a rookie. He, If he's A.J. McCarron, McCarron never threatened Andy Dalton, even in his worst years, to start or to supplant him even for a game. Um, we should temper our expectations for Ryan Finley. I agree. Our last question today comes from Alex Grigsby at a Grigsby 81. Go through the handful of Bengals with fantasy value. Boyd versus Green or Eifert, Bernard or Ross even worth rostering? And is Mixon worth the top 15 pick? I think Mixon is worth the top 15 pick. I've advocated for that. I think some of the, some of the um, you know recent hype hasn't been there because he basically has one carry through preseason, but... That could all change on Thursday night if he lights it up real quick and catches a few passes. I think everyone will be back on the Joe Mixon train. The only thing there is the offensive line you have to be concerned with. But Green and Boyd, they're going about the same round. Even when we did our draft, I think Boyd went two rounds ahead of Green, but I've seen others where their average draft position is very close. I think that's a value for either guy, to be honest. I think Boyd's going a little bit too late. And I think Green, if he gets back, gets back to health and plays well this year, that puts him probably as a top 15 receiver fantasy-wise, even by missing the first two games. So for me, I think that's worth it. I think Eifert's definitely worth a, a, a final pick. I'm not sure I would roster Bernard or Ross unless it's late in a fantasy draft. Yeah, if you're in a really deep league, maybe deep, Gio yeah. has some value, especially deep point per reception or half point per reception. And I think that's a great segue because the next player in our countdown to kickoff is number 25, Giovanni Bernard. The man. I love Giovanni Bernard. You know that? He's one of my first, not my first, I shouldn't say that because I've been covering the draft for a long time, but one of my strongest draft crushes and one of my happiest moments when they drafted him uh, because I, I thought he'd be great. I, and he, he has been. He's been a little bit not as reliable as I expected. I, I thought more Doug Martin, Ray Rice for 
uh, Gio, he never put on that type of weight and never gained that type of mass to carry the load. But he's been more Brian Westbrook, who was a fantastic third down back for the Philadelphia Eagles in a high-powered offense. Mm -hmm. I think if the Bengals ever were able to sustain a high-powered, high-output offense, uh, Gio would be looked at a little bit more as that type of guy or or as a a high-impact player. But I think Bengals fans do view him that way. Yeah, and I think he is a pretty high-impact player, or at least he has been at times throughout his career. He's a difference maker as a pass catcher, and I think he has value as a runner as well. There have been times when, I mean, he can't be your only running back. If you ask him to run between the tackles all game for you, he's probably not going to quite get the job done, but I don't think that that really is a product of his size as much as it's a product of the just the differences between him and the elite backs in terms of patience and pre-line of scrimmage creativity and vision. Yeah, and I don't think he's had the luxury of running behind a very good offensive line or having consistent touches or carries, yeah. especially recently, and then he, he had the ACL injury. So there's been bad timing for Gio a few times here in, in his career. You know, quickly was supplanted by Jeremy Hill the next draft, and then after an injury, the Bengals lean on or draft Joe Mixon uh, right after that. So you know, he's never been able to take the lead, and I don't know if he's the type of guy to ever do that. But there was a point early in Mixon's career, early last year, I would say, where I thought, is Gio the better runner and Mixon's the better receiver right now? Because as good of a receiver as, as Gio has been, he's, in my mind, I think he's a better pass protector than receiver. There are times where I don't feel he can catch outside of his frame. He has short arms, smaller hands. I don't think he's doing anything dynamic as a route runner. He's not Elvin Kamara or anything like that. He's not Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so I think Mixon can be those, those guys, to be honest. And if it ever got to that point, I felt, uh, you know, early last year, I thought the Bengals were going to use Mixon more in the passing game. And I thought maybe we'll see more of Bernard on the ground. Instead, it ended up being less and less of Bernard and more and more of Mixon. He's been the best pass protector as an undersized guy throughout his career, which I think is just really impressive. Regardless of the rest of him, he pass blocks at 205 pounds, 5'9". Guy's much bigger than him, and he's been pretty effective at it throughout his career. The next guy on our list on the countdown to kickoff is B.W. Webb, who wears 24 out of William & Mary. He's in his sixth professional year. Follows Lou Anarumo, under whom he had his best professional year in New York last year, to the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, as you were saying number 24, I'm thinking in my head, who is this? Because I, I haven't recognized B.W. Webb's number yet, because he's a new player. Uh, but I started thinking, who are 24 that, that's standing on my head? And it was Delta O'Neill. had to be. Sounds about right to me. So B.W. Webb, looks like he's going to be the slot nickel guy. I think also probably the primary backup on the outside, the way he's done that twice now in preseason. First first week uh, playing instead of William Jackson as right corner. Second week playing at left cornerback instead of Drake Kirkpatrick, while also getting some time as a nickel guy. I, I think even when Darquez Denard comes back, we're going to see some type of rotation or mix that's going to involve B.W. Webb on the field. Yeah, I could see that. I have some concerns, as we've discussed, about his, about his ability to hold up in coverage long term. But he can go out there and execute a scheme. He's a really solid run supporter, especially out of the slot. So you don't lose as much as you might think. Despite losing some physicality, BW Webb's 5'11", 188, from Dar- compared to Dark President Art, he's still been a very solid player as a tackler and a willing run defender, if nothing else. So 
he's a guy that you can expect to go out there and do a job as a veteran, you know, in his sixth year. He's not going to be great, but I don't think he's going to be the worst you could do at that spot. Yeah, the truth is he's never been great. I mean, really, he's never even been good for a sustained amount of time. Uh, he's an effort player, and he's always been athletic and, and fast. So, and, and I mean mildly. He's not a freak out there or anything. So I, I do think his familiarity with the scheme and Anarumo gets him some favorable opportunities. But right now with Denard Hurd, I'm glad they did sign him because uh, if not, it'd probably be Tony McRae out there. Yeah, we were really questioning the signing when yep. we didn't understand Denard's injury, but now it kind of makes a little bit more sense that they've got him. And, and I agree with Joe. It's nice that they do have him. The next guy on our list, and the last one we'll talk about today, is Darius Phillips. He wears number 23, another corner. This one from Western Michigan. So another small school guy, 5'10", 190, built very similarly in terms of height and weight to B.W. Webb, but more athletically gifted probably, would you say? Oh, yeah. I would say that. Even though he didn't test that way, he was dealing with injuries during his testing portion of the uh, draft prep. And if you watch him, just to put on his tape, I've got videos out there of, of, I want to say, all 17 of his touchdowns. Now, one of them was as a receiver his freshman year. But, I mean, he's got punt returns, kick returns, fumble returns, interception returns. He is dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's got ball skills as a former receiver. I think he's best on the boundary. The Bengals used him last year as a backup slot guy. I'm glad they've got enough slot guys this year because I think a former receiver type that isn't going to be the most physical, that has ball skills and you can test them deep, in my mind, those skills and ability, you put that guy on the boundary. And that's what they're doing with Darius Phillips this year. And I think even in preseason, we've seen a good outcome from that. His production numbers look pretty good. The completion percentage against him looks pretty good in coverage. I just hope that... Those few punts, and it doesn't sound like it affected him too much for Darren Simmons, and he's dealing with something right now, and he's not going to play week three. Maybe that means he's safe on, as one of the final guys on this roster. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I feel like he still has a little bit of something to prove, and maybe he'll get a chance in week four to do that if he needs to, but he's one of those guys that you don't feel great about exposing to waivers, and it's maybe one of those things where we're overvaluing the back of the roster as we do every year. Mm-hmm. But he has a skill set, and he's flashed some real upside. And, I mean, you just look at that Kansas City game when he had the two pass breakups and generally played a really solid game in coverage. You don't really like the idea of losing a guy like that. He's given up one catch on five targets in the entire preseason for eight yards. Right. That's good. That's, you know, if any one of our starters were doing that, we'd be clamoring that this is a breakout year for him. So, you know, I I like to look at that and say Darius Phillips. I liked him on tape. I like his intangibles. I like his ball skills. I like that he can help on special teams. He's exactly what I want as the fifth corner, I think, on this team. Yeah, so we'll see if Darius Phillips can end up sticking around and making the team. You hope the injury is not too bad and that right. that's not a reason that they think about cutting him because sometimes with a young guy, especially late-round pick, that can be a factor. But also when a guy is slightly injured that's a young guy, late-round pick, or early in his career, they'll find that reason to IR him and stash him for next year. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Darius Phillips. I hope he's just healthy and makes a team and he's out there and he gets some chances to return. I really wanted to see some more punt returns from him in preseason, so we'll see if he gets back and gets a chance to do that. That's going to do it, though, for today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with a game preview, the Bengals' preseason home opener, the first home game under Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. 
Anthony Munoz on the mic on the Bengals whatever network <laughs> when they broadcast the game locally. Until preseason tomorrow, network. Preseason network. There you go. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.